So when you think about now AI is like, well, take that to another step. And it's we've been using technology all along and humans have been doing that all along. So um, we should be thinking about it as just a piece of technology that is going to make us better. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer's Guide to ChatGPT and Generative AI, a special podcast series brought to you by Enrollify and Element 451 and hosted by Artis Kadu, founder and CEO of Element 451, and yours truly, Zach Buzicruz from Enrollify. Over the next four weeks, we're taking a deep dive into the past, the present, and the future of the role that artificial intelligence plays in higher education marketing and student recruitment. In episode one, you'll get a crash course on what ChatGPT is and why higher ed marketers and enrollment managers should care about this revolutionary tool. In episode two, you'll join Artis and I for a live brainstorm on how marketers and admissions professionals can use ChatGPT to generate innovative campaign ideas and to increase operational efficiency. In episode three, Artis and I are joined by JC Benia, Element board member and the chief data officer at Vayner Media for a conversation on the history of generative AI and how the broader advertising space is using AI to promote their products and services. And finally, in episode four, Artis and I are joined by Element's chief technology officer, Petar Georgievich, for a conversation on how Element is using AI to build one of the industry's most powerful and user-friendly CRMs on the market. All right, without further ado, Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer's Guide to ChatGPT and Generative AI. Alrighty, Artis, we we are live, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing great. Well, I am super excited for this conversation because it's just one, it's just like timely and it's like very, it's like a hot topic uh, that pretty much everyone in every industry is talking about. And that is how AI, specifically ChatGPT, has sort of like you know, taken over the internet by storm and everyone from like my grandmother to like my, you know, two year old cousin knows what chat GPT <laughs> is, or that they, they at least think that they know what it is. So it's a, it's a very trendy topic, but we're here to talk uh, today about its applications in, in higher ed. And we're going to take the next four episodes in this cool little mini series that we're working on with, with you all at, at element to really sort of unpack what do these tools actually mean? How do schools use them? How might marketing and admissions teams use them? And you know, are, is everyone really going to lose their jobs, or or are these tools really just built to help us be able to do what we do in higher ed, but but do so better and more more efficiently? So that's sort of the broad strokes of of what we'll be, what we'll be chatting about. But um, any anything else you want to add before we just kind of get into to the meat here? Yeah, I mean AI and. Um, kind of the fear of AI has been when it gets introduced in the general population, it becomes a little bit more, um, th there's a lot of unknowns and yeah. people just get this superficial um, understanding of it. So hopefully during this series, we can go a little bit deeper and, and give you a little bit more of an understanding on the, uh, the trends that are happening, the science that's happening behind the scenes, and also uh, kind of the players and the ecosystem overall, because it's not just chat GPT, but yeah. there's a larger ecosystem of 
um, AI and kind of this this trend that is happening that is going to impact uh, not just the, your job, but it's also going to impact the the day to day life of everybody from um, you know Google search to from from search to um, uh, to Alexa to Siri to all of these different yeah. technologies that are driving your life today. Yeah, yeah. It it, it almost feels to me, artists like. In the same way that when mobile first became a thing, right, or when like when you know obviously when the iPhone first came out to begin with, there were all these just like you know lots of fear, lots of uncertainty, lots of like unknown. Oh wow, you have to develop like everyone needs an app, right? Do you remember when like everyone thought like every organization was like we have <laughs> yes. to build our own app, right? Because people are going to be on their phones, and then it was like, hey, actually, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't the solution, and a lot of people spent a lot of time developing apps that that went nowhere, right? And so it feels like we're sort of in this moment too where you know, AI has been talked about, as you mentioned, for so long, but we're, we're finally at a point where the practical applications, uh, you, your average consumer can see and understand. They can, when they write a query, right, on, on chat GPT or write some sort of prompt, the response that they get is like, it's quite eerily accurate, right, to, to what you might be looking for. And I think that, that this is like the best example that we've seen, at least the general public has seen to date, which is, you know, of course, bringing up all these conversations again of what are the what is the right way to apply these, uh, these, these tools? What exactly, you know, where, where is this knowledge base actually located? Uh, how is how does ChatGPT actually function? So I'm excited to, you know, pick your brain as somebody who's, you know, brilliant in, in this space. You lead an ed tech company, kind of the, one of the most exciting, kind of fastest growing uh, higher ed CRM companies. So you guys are like, you guys probably talk about this stuff all the time. So I'd love to just, yes. you know, dive into um, helping people, you know, for, for those who are tuning in that don't really understand what ChatGPT is, or they see about it, they see it on social, but they haven't actually used the tool at all. Could you just give us sort of like a brief overview of what ChatGPT is specifically, uh, and then and then we'll what we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you think at a very very low level or a very kind of simplistic level, ChatGPT is a very advanced Alexa <laughs> or Siri. <laughs> so you ask it a whole bunch of questions, and then it gives you uh, eerily accurate answers. Uh, now, if you go down. Uh, into it a little bit more. Um, it is actually a, a chatbot or or a um, AI um, tool that is trained on a large data set of text mm. and is able to, uh, when you ask it questions, is able to give you answers based on that large data set of text um, more accurately than anything we've seen before. Very succinct. I love the like more advanced Alexa or Siri. That that immediately like makes makes me get it. And talk to us about the the platform that's that's behind ChatGPT because ChatGPT in and of itself is is, is not a platform. Uh, what, what can you tell us about like OpenAI and just uh, you know uh, the the folks that are building sort of like the technological infrastructure that's necessary for tools like ChatGPT to exist? ChatGPT is built on a lot of advances that have happened over the past four or five years in AI. Uh, there's been some really key advances that, that have kind of propelled the, the industry forward. Uh, but at the core of it, one of the players has been OpenAI. OpenAI is a company um, that started you know, earlier, you know, five, six years ago, but they started as a non-for-profit to basically yeah. democratize AI and democratize these models and make them open source. Obviously, because you need a lot of resources, they have found other means of bringing in 
um, funding. But at the core, these are very uh, smart people coming from different companies, from Google, from from Facebook, from uh, from Tesla, and so on and so forth, putting all these really smart people together to build AI that is going to kind of be transformative for the future. So as part of that, um, OpenAI um, has kind of done a few advances in uh, a few advances, but one of the things that they've done the best is to put out models to the general public, right? Mm. Because that is their mission. Um, and as part of that, what's underneath uh, ChatGPT and, and OpenAI is that they have exposed this, what we call language models, right? So um, ChatGPT is technically a language model. And they have exposed those models to the general public, and they have exposed those models as APIs to the general public as well. So you have a, you know, a tremendous amount of technology and, and kind of these large models that are being built by these very smart people, but yet at the same time, they're making them accessible to the mm. outside world and they're not locking them up um, similar to perhaps a Google. Google is doing the same kind of uh, training and technology advancements. However, they are adopting them to their products rather yeah. than opening it up to the outside world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to just to back up even a, a little bit more here, and talk about sort of like like language, right? And like the data set that's behind ChatGPT. And so when I am interfacing with the with the tool, and for, for listeners, again, who have not uh, experimented with the tool, we'll have a link in the show notes so you can go check it out. But like, basically, it's it's uh, uh, you could do this on your phone or, or, or um, your browser, your web browser. You open it up, and it's basically like a chat window, right? And you can you mm -hmm. you write whatever you want, almost like you would search on, on Google, but instead you might say something like, hey, write me, uh, a blog post on why Element 451 is the best higher ed CRM or something like that, right? And then what ChatGPT will actually do is it'll write you a blog post, right? Or it'll write you an outline for a blog post, whatever you whatever you say. And it's, it's again, it's very, very uh, eerily, we keep using that word, but it's true, eerily accurate <laughs> or on point, right? So, but but artists, like, is, is this just, is ChatGPT just doing basically a scrape of like top, ranking content on Google and that's what's sort of like populating uh, its response or like when you talk about like the data set that it's tapping into um wh where is where is ChatGPT getting its like answers from yeah so the there, there's a difference between uh ChatGPT and, and and search right search is just going in and pulling information based on a question that you asked and it's yeah. It's pretty one-to-one -one and it's ranking some of that search based on the, the ranking algorithms, like how influential that link is. And that's what SEO is all about. Uh, yeah. ChatGPT is a little bit different, right? It's it's actually called, you know, what we call it a language model LLMs. So you're going to hear that a lot, like large language model, <laughs> this large language models, which means it's been trained to understand and produce human language. So the mm. way ChatGPT works is by... Um, this kind of type of AI, which is called deep learning, which is a way of teaching computers how to learn from data, right? And when we talk about ChatGPT, then the, the large amount of text that was fed into it um, and the algorithms to, to kind of it, it trains between the relationships between the words and phrases of those of that large text that's been fed into it. And this training process takes a really, really long time, because mm. if you think about it, it's it's very similar to how a human... It, 
learns, right? It's it's introduced to new information. It understands kind of the, the outcomes of that new information, what happens. And the neural networks in here are, are very similar, right? It's mm. fed those pieces of text. It understands the relationship between words. It understands the relationship between phrases. It understands the relationship between different languages. So if you feed it the same, you know, different languages. And then when you ask it a question, it uses what it's learned during that training process to analyze that question and kind of generate responses. So it looks for patterns in the words that that uh, you give it, and it understands the context of the question, uh, and it gives you the most helpful uh, possible answer. So there's all these things that are happening behind the scenes, but it, it is not just pulling information. There is everything is transformed basically to numbers. Yeah. And then it kind of figures out the relationship between the words and the phrase and the context, and it outputs what it thinks are, is the best outcome for that particular input that you gave it. Hey guys, Zach here. I want to quickly interrupt this conversation to invite you to join me at Element 451's Engage Summit on June 27th and 28th in Raleigh, North Carolina. When it comes to the student experience, we know that you want to be a trusted guide from recruiting all the way to graduation. Well, the Engage Summit brings the best minds in higher ed together to give you the strategy and tools that you need to create a cohesive student experience from start to finish. Explore the latest technologies, increase your skill set, and gain insight into today's students to deliver the most powerful and personalized digital engagement experience every step of the way. This is not your standard ed tech user conference. This is a dynamic, inspirational, and empowering event for all higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. I'll be presenting at this year's event along with some of your favorite higher ed LinkedIn and Twitter follows. You can learn more about this event and register for it at engage.element451.com. Oh, and you can get $50 off your registration when you use the discount code Enrollify50, that's Enrollify50 at checkout. So go ahead, check it out, RSVP at engage.element451.com. Looking forward to seeing you all there. Yeah, that was so, so well said. And it's almost like when, when you conduct a Google search, right, you're going to get like the top 10 ranking pages exactly. for whatever it is that you searched. And that's Google's way of saying like, hey, you know, artists, we think that you're looking for, you know, something like this. Here are the, you know, here's our 10 best guesses, if you will, of like what you're trying to get. Whereas ChatGPT is like, it's giving you an answer and there are like no links, right? And it's, so it's, it's doing, exactly. it's almost like doing like a, like this synthesis too of like, okay, other people that have asked this question, what have they found helpful? Um, and then, and then also sort of like the, what, what is super, super interesting here is its ability to understand the context, right? And like the mm -hmm. word, the words that I choose, right, could generate a, a wildly different response, even if like most of the sentence is the same, like it's been fun testing out like how you get different responses from ChatGPT. And it's, it is amazing the level of like understanding it has around context. And that's something that I yeah. feel like search, you know, while it's gotten incredible it's remarkable it's still there's still times when like you you're, you're like oh shit no, like never mind like I, and you like you know you search again like you use a different phrase because like google didn't quite understand what it was that you were that you were getting at because the context layer just isn't as strong so this is like it, it's it is it is quite game-changing so i want to understand like as a technologist like how do you how do you think about all of this like are you like is it exciting is it scary is it like 
are do you immediately think about all these like applications for how you know you, you know you could use uh ai and 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 really i think like the broader you can correct me if i'm wrong artist but like the broader term here is like generative ai is sort of like the 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 umbrella term for kind of what a tool like chat gpt is um what do you what do you think about all this and like how how exciting and or scary is it to you <laughs> well, look, I mean, uh, generative AI, it's, I want to go back to that. It refers to this category of AI algorithms as basically generates output based on data that's been trained on, right? So unlike a traditional AI system that's designed to recognize these patterns, um, to make predictions, generative AI actually creates new content and, and it can be in the form of text, audio, mm -hmm. uh, images, um, in the form of, of other things as well, there's there's a lot of that that's happening right now in terms of producing uh, kind of outputs that are uh, in the code as well, right? So so yeah. all of these different things, it it understands that. So to me, as a as a as someone who is kind of looking at this every single day, I just can't wait to to basically have this technology be alongside us. If yeah. you if you have that picture of let's say Tony Stark or um you know the the Black Panther like where they have the AI so you have this idea of a co-pilot, right? Mm. So the idea of a co-pilot is essentially where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to a place where AI and, and kind of these models and this this technology is there to help us along our our daily lives, but also be a co-pilot in different tasks, yeah. co-pilot in, in generating new uh, new marketing ideas, in generating new new code. Uh, so it's it's the Jarvis of of kind of what we're uh, <laughs> of every day, right? Obviously, yeah. we've talked about Alexa and Siri, but if you think about it, those are co-pilots, those are assistants that are helping us achieve tasks better, but much smarter. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you brought up sort of. Uh, the the image generation that this technology allows and and audio generation and the ability to kind of like write code i think about like you know dolly 2 is sort of like the, the the more popular tool out there that people have been using for image generation was what's really cool about that is that like you don't have to worry about copyright issues anymore right or like or like finding like an i stock photo like when, when you use some of these tools and you you dictate hey i want you to you know uh, uh, basically create something like this and then you can tweak it along the way you can customize it all of a sudden like you've created quote unquote like right. an image exactly. that is unique to you that you can use on your your blog posts like your articles you don't you don't need an iStock subscription anymore or like you don't have to worry about like infringing on, on copyright because again it's a totally custom image that you created and you know best part you also don't need to be a designer or a photographer right to, to create an image that will work for for your your email masthead or whatever it is right so like exactly it's, it's just, amazing where so uh, one of the couple of the newer tools that you were looking at is basically figuring out it's like hey i have um i, I want to create a website it's going to be uh, around this particular topic i want it to feel this way right i want it to feel airy and open and i want yeah. to have you know attract i want i want my users to be a certain type of user so the ai can interpret all of that stuff and then can give you um designs around it and 
you know, some of these tools are, are taking those designs and not transforming that into actual usable code. So you can mm. have a fully built website just by describing what you want out of it. So that's yeah. really exciting. It's like cutting down the, the time that it takes a creative person from, you know, weeks and months to almost, you know, hours. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah, just unbelievably like remarkable. And you know, these tools are, are by no means like perfect. And you, if they're you not. Play around no, with we're very enough, early. Yeah, we're very early. But but it, yeah. it's good enough where you you know it, it, like I, I was uh, working talking with a, a friend the other day, who's a fellow podcaster in the space, and they had they used some I don't even remember which tool it was, but they used some AI tool to basically ge uh, automatically generate a a podcast interview between him and a, another person who has is also a podcaster. So there's a lot of content for like the tool to pull from, right, that exists out there. But it yeah. was like, and it, it was only like eight minutes long or something. But it was, it was scary. It, it felt like a brand new interview with uh, this guy, Will, right? And it was, it was just so jarring to me. Um, but, but, I, you know, I think, I think what's also important to keep in mind here is people can start there's, I've seen some of this going around on social, especially kind of in the higher ed community, people sort of like being critical of the of these tools and or just being, you know, uh, I like my copywriter just the way that they are. Like, I don't I don't need, you know, chat GPT. And um, and, and I think one analogy that I've been thinking through, and this is not like, well, uh, perfectly well formed. But if you if you were like a really, really great like baker, let's say right before before the Internet, you're a really, really, really great baker. You're you're maybe the best in the world. But the only people that are ever going to really under, like know that are the people in your local community that can get to your bakery, right? And like come in and, and have, have a donut, have a muffin, right? right? But then what the internet did is the internet enabled like some of the best, right? To, to basically get the word, get the message out there that, oh, wow, like, you know, the best bakery in all of New York when people are searching for that online, uh, you know, on, on Google, if you really are the best, you're going to rank number one or number two or number three. And like that insight enables you, it opens you up to a, much, much larger and more diverse customer base, right? Which then obviously has really cool outcomes and opportunities for, for the baker. So in, in essence, your craft, if you really are really, really, really good at what you do, these tools, right, are just going to help you be better at what you do. They're going to give you, you know, more exposure. They're going to cut down on like the time it takes to do unnecessary like tasks. If you're, you know, experiencing writer's block, being able to go to chat GPT and say, hey, give me like, 50 ideas for, you know, um, how to write a better student, uh, uh, recruitment email or something like that. Right. At exactly. the very least, like you're offloading, like the, the mental load it takes if you've hit some sort of friction and you're having mm -hmm. a tool do it for you. Again, you might not use a single one of chat GPT's 50, you know, ideas, but you can take that and hopefully riff off of one or two of them. And maybe you saved yourself like hours and hours of time. Exactly. Exactly. So what, I mean, uh, one of the things, if you look at the advancement in AI over the past 10 or 15 years, uh, 10 years or 15 years ago, people uh, were very adamant that AI is going to replace the um, the the manual labor or the, the work, the, the blue collar jobs, yeah. right? And yep. then yep. it's going to replace kind of the low level white collar jobs. And then maybe it's going to replace um, or it's going to be kind of advancing into um, kind of more advanced like coding and, yep. and some of the sciences and things like that. And then the last was going to be the creative because humans are very good at being creative, right? Um, so 
what's ended up happening is that this technology is actually kind of flipped, right? So the creative um, jobs or the creative output is now working, you know, it's working backwards. So it's doing the creative, really good at that. But the physical world is very hard. So, um, (laughs) you know, we're still going to be um, you know, requiring, you know, empathy, and we're still going to require people to to kind of connect, interact with other people. So those things are not going to go away. Um, but to your point, you know, the ability for the tool to amplify what you're doing and to get you a head start and this idea of it being an assistant, very similar to um, you know, I think Steve Jobs had this this visual when they brought when he brought the the Mac and when he thought about computers, he said mm. computers are a tool, right? They're they're a piece of technology, um, very similar to a bicycle, right? A bicycle can make a person, a human, the fastest animal on land. So when you think about that, is a computer is like a bicycle for your mind. It can mm. make you the fastest or or the the best that, that you can think about. So huh. so when you think about now AI is like well, take that to another step, and it's we've been using technology all along, and humans have been doing that all along. So um, we should be thinking about it as just a piece of technology that is going to make us better yeah. um, at, at what we do. Right? We, there's not going to be a shortage of jobs. There's not going to be. It's just that our uh, we need to adopt to coexist and to to kind of use that technology to kind of propel us uh, faster and, and, and do things better. Um, we become rather than information kind of gatekeepers and and people who can access information if you're good at searching or go to Google or um, or good at you know learning from books, now we become curators of information, right? So mm. we kind of transform from uh, access to curation. And that curation is really important because to kind of use another example, you go to a doctor and you can come in with a, you can Google and you can go to WebMD and you can come in and say, doc, here's, here's all the research that I found. Like I, I have this kind of disease yeah. Yeah. and this is what I found around it. And the doctor can come in and rather than the doctor say, no, 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 no that's garbage. You should not listen to any of that stuff. This is, they, they, they don't, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> so rather than get defensive, um, as professionals, we should now take that and and be the curation and say, well, that's great, but have you looked at this other research? And and this yeah. is the, this is how this research now connected to this one. And you perhaps should look at this other one. So opening that up and giving being the subject matter experts and the curators um, and moving into a curation mode becomes so much more valuable to, to somebody than the word context come to mind, right? Context. Yeah. Machines don't have a lot of context. We need to provide <laughs> a lot of that. So um, so that's, that, that's something that th- it's going to be there for a long time. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. 
You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org. What, what I also think about too is like, you know, today, if you think about if you're a higher ed marketer and you're, let's say you're a strategist, maybe you're a director of marketing, um, yeah. maybe you're, you're a CMO or, or, or what have you, you're probably not like, hopefully you're not, you know, in charge of designing and in charge of all copywriting and in charge of right. all developing, right? You, you hopefully oversee a team of people of, of experts that do those things really well. But I, one of the things I think a lot about that is kind of like an immediate solve for, for at least the early stages of, of where these tools are at is the ability to actually give, as you were just saying, artists, your team way more context to make their designs better. So I think about like right now, exactly. like if you, if you're a CMO, you're a director of marketing, you're working with your design team, you might say like, Hey, so I have this idea and I kind of want it to look like this and I kind of want it to feel like this. And mm -hmm. I don't want it to be like last year's campaign, but I want it to be, we have to include these new things, this new message because the president really wants this. And you can kind of describe what you're going for. Then your creative team has to go and they have to come up with concepts that they then present back to you. Exactly. And sometimes those concepts might really miss the mark. Like even today, it's like, oh gosh, the context wasn't quite communicated. Whereas if you're that director or CMO, you can use some of these tools to Tell the tool exactly, you know, what it is that you're trying to do, mm -hmm. you know, revise it as necessary, and then essentially give like a much more polished creative brief, a much exactly. more specific creative brief to your creative team so that exactly. they end up giving you what you want. It's way better than the, what the AI tool came up with, but it's way more accurate to what you had initially envisioned because you were able to leverage your co-pilot to help you get there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it can be personalized to the individual person that you're giving that specific uh, brief to because somebody who's creating um, you know content for SEO is going to be very different from someone mm. who is creating a video uh, from someone who is creating ads so they need that creative context and not everybody is very skilled at understanding all the nuances right there's very few yeah. people who can understand the nuances of all the so the experts who are doing the work they need a, as much context as possible so having the ability to do exactly what you said to give them more details and more context there, it's, it's, it's super useful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on that note, artists, I'm curious, like you, you all work with, uh, lots of folks in, in higher ed marketing and missions, and I'm sure you've even heard some of this from your, your clients already, but about like, oh gosh, what do you guys think about these tools or like, you know, how, how are these tools going to, you know, if, if at all work their way into, um, elements, technology stack. Um, and we, we can talk more about that in, in a later episode uh, that's part of the series. But I do, I would just love your thoughts on like, if you, if a CMO or a, a VP of enrollment management were to come to you and say, hey, artist, like, what are your thoughts on how my team should be using some of these tools, maybe chat GPT specifically, if mm -hmm. at all, like what, what would you say? Like, what advice would you give folks? Yeah, so th there's um, some very, very clear uh areas that the tools can be used for. Um, number one, it's personalization. Number two is around efficiency. Three, around um, um, access. Mm. So if you think about those three things, it becomes really important to, in, the, in personalization, um, ChatGPT and kind of these generative AI tools um, can create highly personalized and targeted content for students, right? That is one of the biggest things that we see um, as, a, as a tool. Um, one of the gaps that we see is content. How, mm. how, 
how do you deliver content? We build the technology, right, to deliver personalized content, but somebody still has to uh, build that those words to put in those emails. Um, even though we've we've kind of you know kind of moved them along and, and created a whole bunch of pre-built stuff, it's still personalizing that one-to-one communication is, yeah. is really important. So yeah. that is number one. You you can use it for personalization to drive. Um, kind of customized messages, customized ads, um, chatbots, and communicate with a prospective student kind of in a more engaging, personal way. Yeah. So, so that is the number one around personalization. Yeah, yeah. On on that note too, like I'm even just thinking as you're talking about this, where, where we're gonna go here is like, and you you already see this with Google and like you know, if you use Gmail, right, or Google Docs at right, all, if you're exactly. in the Google Suite at exactly. all, like Google's suggesting like words yes. that should come next, yep. right? You you press like tab or whatever, and it completes yep. the sentence. We're gonna see that with with all these email tools, and what's probably gonna happen is these these systems are gonna learn and they're gonna be like, oh wow, like anytime Zach sends artists an email. He uses three emojis and a bunch of exclamation points. So artist's response to Zach should match Zach's tone. If artist just responds to Zach with like a period and no emotion, Zach might be turned off by that communication. Whereas if artist is, you know, uh, communicating with Mallory and Mallory's like short to the point, like no emojis, like, you know, uh, no exclamation points. Well, then your your response should mirror her tone and her style. If we're really serious about personalization, that's what personalization looks like. It looks like exactly. matching your tone and your t- your your style to the context of like the person on the other end. Yeah, exactly. And and taking that a step further, and this is stuff that we're working on because we our conversations, um, you know, component is one on one communication. So now the context of the whole conversation can be summarized and can be brought in to that generated content. So not only can the tone be derived from that, but also huh. Uh, sentiment analysis to see is the student calling because they have a problem or or, or are, are they happy and they're they're excited to kind of call you. So when you provide that answer, you have to be cognizant about how do you um, compile that response. Y- hmm. You're not going to put emojis in there if the student is very <laughs> angry, right? So um, because they got a bill that they weren't expecting, but um, if they are, you know, excited about starting class and they're just asking a question, so th- those emojis are very appropriate in there. So not only does it take into account prior conversations, but also the context of um, what's what's in that email at that point. So I'm curious if you've if you've got any thoughts too on just if you're uh, if you're talking to a leader in higher ed uh, who wants. Cause, cause the other thing that I, that I see happening too, and I don't know if you're, you're seeing this artist is like, some people are like so resistant to it that they don't even want to like experiment with the tools. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I don't know, people yeah. are just, they read a headline and they get scared. Right. So, and yet, you know, higher ed is, is an industry that is, uh, under-resourced, right? Yes. I haven't met anyone in higher ed who I've ever talked to who's felt like their job was easy or felt like they weren't wearing like a dozen hats. Like a lot of people in higher ed are doing a lot of different things. Right. And it's, it's, it there's been a lot of burnout over the last few years as we've seen right so if you were if you were a leader right now in this space and you wanted to encourage your team to to use these tools just to like get familiar with them in the off chance that it might actually help lighten their load in in some way shape or form right or reduce like the mental load that they need to complete their work like what are some good ways you think people could get started using a tool like ChatGPT um within the context of their of their professional, you know, job. Um, we 
the first thing is content. So just emailing, right? If yeah. you're if you're writing a piece of content, you're sending communications to your students. The first thing that you can do is take an existing email and have ChatGPT rewrite it for you uh, based on a particular outcome. So you can say, hmm. uh, take this invite that I sent out to this population and now rewrite it in a more friendly tone. Uh, by producing only two paragraphs rather than really long one huh. uh, in a friendly tone. And you can inject a little bit of something you know personal that's happening perhaps that particular week or that when the time that you're sending that email. So, so transforming content that you already yeah. have into much more friendlier uh, or different voices that's coming, something that's coming more uh, from the president or something that's coming from a counselor. It's the same message. It's the same content, but now tweaking it and transforming the voice. It's one of those, like everybody should be able to do that. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's number one. That I, I love that. That's a really good idea. And, and, and taking that even just a step further, it, it's jarring to me still today, how many, uh, higher ed marketers in, in enrollment managers I, I talk to that don't take the time to like do effective, like, AB testing because they feel like they don't have the time, right? Yes. Here's an, another example. If like you wanted to AB test tone or style, great. You just write one email, right? And then have ChatGPT write the second email that's, you know, that is the opposite, right? And and yes. use you leverage this tool as a way to do better AB testing. Yes, exactly. Um, to that point, so AB testing, you can talk about AB testing in two ways, right? It's um, how do you get somebody to open the email? And then you're focusing on the subject line and your preview text there. Um, yep. But nobody, the subject lines are perhaps one of the most, um, the, the pieces that are taken for granted by any personal, like any user, like they're focusing so much on the content, but they're not focusing on the, on the subject lines or the preview text. Yeah. Um, that's what people focus on. That's what, when you scroll down your feed, that's what you're looking at. So yep. having ChatGPT write you a subject line based on the content that you wrote is actually another way that um, you can kind of cut down your work. It's going to write something that's going to be very effective, very, very good. Um, and you can tell it what you want the outcome to be. Is You can tell it, hey, take this email, write the subject line that is short, concise, to the point that we want them to take action right away. Yeah, so it will yeah. put all those pieces together, include five emojis, like it will do yeah. that for you. So. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, it's, yeah, it, it is, it's remarkable. And again, like, sometimes you get these responses, you're like, oh, well, that was like, okay, I get what I get why they the tool did this. But like, that's not really what I was going for. Like, uh, like, you know, yeah. this is this is something to work with. But again, if it's something to work with, the goal is like, rather than you having to like, go into your your office, spend, you know, two hours trying to come up with like a different approach in a cooler way to like write you, that first, you know, email invitation for your mm -hmm. open house. Yep. If you just start with the tool, just start with the tool and then either, you know, trash it, right. Or, or, you know, create a few additional prompts, see what, see what else that you see, what else you get. And who knows, maybe you've, maybe that two hours is now 20 minutes and you've got like a pretty solid working draft. And I think that that's, that's what makes these tools just so powerful. And in theory, right? Like because of, of the knowledge base that it's pulling from, it also should, the, the answers that ChatGPT offers, right. Should be rooted in some amount of data. Meaning like if they're using a particular tone or style in a communication it's probably because like that tone that style 
in in other contexts has also seemed to work for people, right? Like meaning mm-hmm. if, if if people leave ChatGPT after they've gotten an answer to their initial prompt, in theory they're they're satisfied, right? Or happy with what they get. That's one of the big things that, you know, Google always looks at in terms of how how they rank content is hey, if you don't come back to Google and continue searching for like the same thing, you were probably satisfied with the website that you ended up on and the offers that, uh, you know, the answers that were delivered on that website. ChatGPT is doing the same thing, right? Like if you leave, right, uh, it it assumes that you got what you came for. And so I think that like these uh, these examples that you gave are, are, are really great artists. The other thing too, I, I even think a lot about is like ad copy, right? And like di- digital ad copy, which is yes. one of the things that I feel like schools struggle with so, so, so much is like- Very long, right, like very Very generic. long, <laughs> very, yes. yeah, very, very generic. They use the same sort of like campus shot with people like walking through like, you know, the, the quad and like yes. being able to use a tool like this to just generate more ideas um, is, is a huge, huge time saver. And even like, I was even thinking about use cases where if a school is working with a, with an agency or something like this, having an agency, same thing, it's, yeah. there's a process and there is a, there's a way that agencies work and, you know, it's no magic, right? It's like, you're, you're trying to get an action or a reaction or, or an outcome. And yep. there's only certain ways that you can position messaging that you can kind of create, put creative together. Um, so all those different pieces, like you can walk backwards and you can say, I I want this outcome now will walk me backwards on how, give me ideas on how to do that. Give me ideas on so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it can become a very powerful, um, idea generation, um, tool as well. Yeah. I'm even thinking too, like how cool it would be for a, a client partner to work with their agency and almost use the tool together of like, cause, cause I think what's, what's also hard is sometimes when you're, when you're working with a, a, a higher ed professional, they might not always be able to fully articulate, like, like they, they might not be a brand person yes. or they might not be a marketer. Right. Which is yes. why they, they've hired an agency, but like, you know, they, they do know, they know their brand and they, they know their offerings and they know their students and they know the culture of the school. And so sitting down with your agency partner to, to work through a tool like this together could actually help you better refine exactly it is what you're hoping for and what you're looking for and also help the agency get a better sense of that so that, you know, they could take this, uh, the, these, you know, responses from chat GPT and then turn it into something you know, like truly excellent, but exactly. it would be really cool to see people, uh, <laughs> test this out. And, uh, yeah, it's like the you, next you, generation of brainstorming. Exactly. So you mentioned this, um, uh, this word called prompts, right? And for yeah. those of, for, for those of, um, you who don't know what the prompt is, um, it's essentially what the input is to uh, to these models or to this um, uh, to the AI. Um, and because of that prompt can be it, it can provide context as well as kind of action words and so on and so forth, it's very important in how you build that prompt. Um, so the prompt can contain the context, it can contain what you want to do next, it can contain the style, it can contain a lot of different things. Yeah. So rather than, um, you know, as we discuss these things internally with my team, um, we're talking about and it's like, well, prompt engineering is mm. actually one of the areas that we have to be really good at. And that's kind of when we try to solve a problem now is like, well, how do you templatize that? Well, let's just create a prompt that has all those different components and then just 
take out the pieces and, and inject the pieces that are specific to this particular use case or to this particular brand or to this particular school or huh. to the outcome. So the prompt engineering is now your um, your intellectual property, so to speak, right? That yeah. is the um, that's the secret sauce. It, there's no um, the knowledge is not necessarily the secret sauce. It's it's how do you ask the machines to do what you want, which is the prompt engineering, and that's a that's a big big area that a lot of folks are are um, kind of putting a lot of time on right now because you can ask it something very simple and it's going to give you a simplistic answer, right? Yeah. But if you ask it something very very nuanced and in how you ask it and how you build that prompt, it's going to give you something that's much more fine tuned to. Uh, to an output that you, you want. Which I bet means that we're going to start seeing like, if, if it's not a job in and of itself, if we're not, if we're, like if prompt engineer isn't a job in and of itself, it'll it, be a descriptor of like, hey, you know, part of being a content marketer, part of being, you know, you know admissions council, whatever it is today, you need to be a good prompt engineer. Like, <laughs> like that's going, we're going to see that in job descriptions. Well, actually it was a job um, and you can go on some of the job boards and you can look for prompt engineering. Um, I wow. think there was, um, I think, um, one of the ones that was, that they came up was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of the, the yearly annual, um, salary for that prompt engineer. <laughs> so this was last month. Um, but anyways, wow. it's, it is one of those new jobs. It did not exist before. <laughs> or even if it, you know, might be taking some, some, uh, some tasks away. It's also exactly. like creating all these really cool, amazing new opportunities. Um, well, artists, I am super excited for this, this series. Um, this is a, a really good kind of intro. And I think it really lays the foundation for folks who have, again, heard about ChatGPT, weren't really sure what it was and or didn't don't really understand exactly how to use it in their in their context. Over the next couple over the next few episodes, we're going to be diving much deeper. Next episode, we're going to talk all about very specific ideas. We shared a few of them already, but we're going to kind of go even deeper talk about how folks can use not just chat GPT, but AI tools in general to make their lives easier. Um, and then we're going to, you know, dive into a little bit of a deeper conversation just around like uh, the, the the technical components here, how you guys at Element are thinking about integrating these this generative AI into your tools, into your offerings. Um, so I'm really, really excited for this series. But thanks uh, for all the work that you guys are doing. I think that you guys are like pioneers in this space. So it's uh, it's really exciting for those that are tuning in. I think that they've got a, a lot of great content in store for them for sure over the next few episodes here. But then also will be really cool to see how you guys end up working all of this quote unquote magic um, into into your product in the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about that during the next few episodes. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing, learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. 
You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.